Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we always feel like we're among friends while discussing our favorite television show, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. (laughs) And today we're tackling the 46th episode in the series, Dorothy's Prize Pupil. (laughs) So that that intro line is the absolute epitome of the most innocuous line if you read it and had no idea what we're referring to but like one of the like ones that makes you giggle uncontrollably as like a super fan of the golden girls it's just like (laughs) it's just a a great deep cut from this episode you know which is just uh it's delightful and then you know this episode is really called i think it's called out so much in terms of like uh, the the semi I guess you know like if you're a semi fan or just like you know like, like the cl- traditional roundups of like media outlets being like you should watch Dorothy's Prize Pupil because it has Mario Lopez you know it's, <laughs> and I think in in uh, stark contrast to the you should watch to catch a neighbor because it has George Clooney in it I don't think this is a a particularly outstanding episode compared to to catch a neighbor <laughs> in terms of if you are not a big fan you know uh, to watch. No, I agree. I actually was wondering um, if people people know that Mario Lopez was on The Golden Girls. It's like a fun fact about him. Um, That's what and, I mean by like the media roundups, right? Right. Like no, you're like, totally right. Did you right. know? <laughs> yeah, and I I don't really watch this one very often, actually, and I kind of didn't have any feelings about it going in. You know, usually when I'm yeah. I'm gonna sit down to watch one of these, like I know how I'm gonna feel about it. And yeah, wow, this one really, I it. <laughs> almost holds up you know like there's yeah yeah. it doesn't get there and it actually misses i i think by like quite a bit but i think that they tried you know they were addressing immigration so like i'm gonna give credit where it's due there but like yeah right for the attempt to um when we talked to debbie macy like she talked a lot about how in this one there's like a lot of rah-rah america yes and i think probably in 80s reagan era and and certainly now like that just doesn't it, it does, it's not as palatable as yes, as that's true it maybe was at one time and it's it's not even yeah it's not even just the rah rah america it's the very just like pablum about mm. america right like this is the land of opportunity you always feel like you're among friends this is great and it's sort of like it's it the line that i dislike is um well there's a few lines <laughs> I dislike, and I know it's simplified because he's a child and all this other stuff, but the the implication of his essay is that he has never been to a movie theater before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I buy it. Like, there's several countries that's never mentioned where he actually lives. So it's, again, it's kind of, for me, right. it's like, or it actually is from, rather. And it's a problematic, it's problematic to me it would be just like, you know, ge- general Latino. <laughs> kind of, it's like, can we talk about a country here? But I guess they... Like, Wanted to stay away from that for very, you know, various reasons um, from being a sitcom on NBC. But, um, you know, it, it, the implication is that, like, America has movie theaters and all these other shithole countries don't. And you're like, come on, man. You know, I, I, maybe that was truer in the 80s, but it's like a lot of sort of the the distaste of, like, this American dream, you know, uh, fantasy that's told is that we're so unique and like like in the world like you can't get anything that's in in here you know which in a lot of ways is true from some a lot of other countries and a lot of ways was true way back in the day when we started but hey newsflash like other countries have freedom and movie theaters too (laughs) so it's freedom yeah i mean it's you know it there's there's definitely these like 
you almost could tell like the writers are towing the line of like, like you said, points taken for like trying to make a statement in general and it almost gets there. But also I wonder how much was written that they almost had to reel back just because of the NBC nature of, you know, of the show. Um, and this is like, a, this is, you know, one of the earlier tackling like a big issue, quote unquote, big trademark issue. <laughs> right. Um, way before we get to HIV AIDS, way before, you know, the chronic fatigue arc, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that um, when I was watching this, one thing was like, how have we not fixed immigration from 30 (laughs) years ago? It's wild to me that we still have the same problem. And I also think that like, not the answer is racism, but right. right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where is he from? I don't know. Some Latin country. (laughs) Yeah. Some Um, whole country. Uh, half not IQ in hands. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, so I think that, you know, that definitely struck me as like, you know, we're still in essentially the same spot because now yes. we have like a fake wall. And I think that um, it is, there is some nuance in watching this in a post-Trump era because yes. not to, not to dis, um, n- not to downplay how awful Reagan was, you know, I think there, there was, you know, something there, but I think that, Donald Trump made being racist okay in a way that no president has in our modern time. And I do think that, like, it's not possible to view this now without sort of knowing, really, really knowing how um, racist America is and and Mm -hmm. how... um, how much the American dream and the American exceptionalism that we're fed is completely fabricated. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. Cause I, I'll similar to you, like where you're like, I didn't know how I was going to feel. I don't watch this one a lot because I feel like I am kind of like met on it and that it doesn't deliver from a political sense. And it can't because of what you just said, <laughs> we're yeah. watching it far into the future. Nothing has changed. Things have gotten worse in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think I think it does have it, it it's actually fun for me to revisit the episodes I don't watch very often because I forget that the B stories I remember in my brain are part of that particular episode and I don't yeah, see me it that too. often, right? Um so I think it's really it's really fascinating for a lot of reasons, you know, but especially because of the the Wiedenfrugen story, which is also incredibly Oof. problematic. <laughs> so anyway, this yeah. So where do we even want to start? <laughs> well, actually, so speaking of um, things that you forget, you know, like you don't associate yeah. with the episode, the scene where Rose and Sophia are trying to figure out who Ronald Reagan is married to, actually. Oh and, um, you know, <laughs> Sophia's like, this idiot thinks the president is married to Broderick Crawford. Get some help, Rose. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. The whole exchange and like Rose trying to explain to her and Sophia is like, the president is married to Nancy. Br-. Like, it's, oh, my it's God. So it's, funny. Great. it's the same. It's the same nuance as like the crazy talking to Sophia, you know, the previous episode where it's like cup of tea would be nice right after yeah. she turns down a cup of tea. It's like that circular converse- conversation, but it doesn't get old. It's actually really funny. And in this one, particularly riddled with 80s references again. Yeah, the Finn one, he helps out of the helicopter, of course. (laughs) It's so funny. But I love that scene, and that scene does, like, stay with me. Like, I think about it, you know, and I I laugh, but I never, I would not be able to tell you where that is in the episode, like, which episode that's in, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, my God. But also, like, the idea and the storyline of, like, Rose always losing things (laughs) is just, like, presented, which is kind of funny of, like, general airheadedness, but, like, 
I don't know, when, when other things are misplaced, it's like Sophia stole them, you know? Right. In general, and obviously this is just, just a, a gimmick for this particular episode, but I love that she's like, they say that she lost two sets of house keys. Right. <laughs> because there's always that fucking person. Even if it's, like, not your roommate, it's, like, the person you entrusted with your house keys, like, to be right. like, oh, do you want to have my house? Nope, they, they lost. They got lost. It's hysterical. Right. I do think it's a very good, it's a good gimmick for this particular episode. It's great. Yeah, because she also, I mean, you know, the house keys is one thing, but she is really the only character that you can believe would lose things and yes. would feel guilty about it. Yes, So exactly. it has to be her. It has to be her. It's really perfect. Um, <laughs> so going, let's skip into the kitchen, right? So we established that Dorothy is tutoring uh, Mario, <laughs> played mm-hmm. by Mario Lopez. This is like, reminds me of like the Tony Danza thing where the yes! rumor was like his first like seven roles were named Tony because they thought he was too stupid to answer for any other name. Um. <laughs> I was wondering that about this one too. They're just like, oh yeah, Mario, that sounds ethnic. That's yeah, it. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? You're like, perfect. Sounds good. Um, he also hilariously is kind of a bad actor in this. Granted, he's he's a young baby, but like he is, he's just smiling too much. And I think yeah. it's like, you get it like all the other stuff he'd been in as a kid you know like coming up to this point and obviously afterwards is like oh he's cute he's got these dimples you know smile a lot oh so cute um, it's adorable but it's also funny because you're like it's a really sad episode and there's like parts where he's definitely smiling and i don't know if he's just like really enjoying working with b arthur (laughs) he probably is he should he should exactly (laughs) but they do have they do have a really fun little chemistry on screen. I, I really love, like, one of those first scenes in the kitchen is, like, he goes, why do I have to learn algebra? And she just immediately goes, because I had to learn how to teach it. And it's right. really funny because it's, like, that is the t- kind of a quality that I loved in my favorite teachers. Like, they were, they sort of, like, leveled with you. They gave you a real answer, but there's a bit of sass of, like, to remind you that, like, they're in charge. But like, you know, it's like, it's like this weird dynamic where it's like you're buddies, but like at the same time, there's still like a hierarchy that needs to be there. And also like, what better answer? Why do we have to fucking learn algebra unless you're going to be an algebraist? Right. (laughs) It's very, it's very honest. It's very honest. And it's very like, um, like you said, it levels the playing field. It reminds me actually um, from a couple episodes back when we were talking about Frank the priest and like how he was like so casual with his his students and stuff. And I feel like Dorothy has that too, which I think you're right. Like I think that is what makes a good teacher being able to like walk the line of, you know, an authority figure, but also like not so hard-headed and being an authority figure. Yeah. Well, because that's not inspiring, right? It's not inspiring to learn. But you also don't want a teacher that pretends that everybody's just going to be in love with every subject and the act of learning. You know, it's like you, you have to have that balance. And I think I think you're right. That's why she was attracted to Frank. And that's why this is her type of, you know, her teaching um, really works <laughs> for to imagine her as a teacher to be like that. I do think it's really, really cute that Dorothy is, uh, she's so proud of him. You know, like, she's really adorable uh, in, like, talking about the essay and all of that kind of stuff. And she also, because it's kind of funny that I've noted twice here that, you know, she is a teacher and she's primarily, you know, an English teacher. And twice when, there, when she has a line in this episode, she uses the, like, proper for the time i guess the the accurate like grammatic parlance of using the default he even if she's a woman in the exclusive company of women Mm. right so like you know they're sitting here and like uh (laughs) rose is talking about 
the weed and frugans and where that came <laughs> from, right? The, the story. And Dorothy goes, you know, every American remembers where he was when that happened. And she's, she's saying this to literally, you know, the women in her household. She is a woman. She says, remember where he was. And I just stood out so much to me of like learning grammar when I was growing up, right? With the same thing of like, you, I just think it's ridiculous that if I'm a woman, I'm a she, I have to say this as like, oh, it's just the default for everybody is a man. You know, it's like right. mankind and all that stuff that you learned when you were little. Later in the episode, um, I guess, I guess Blanche, yeah, Blanche, Blanche uses it. Blanche uses it later. It's not Dorothy twice, but it happens twice in this episode. And it's just stood out. Um, Blanche is talking about that horse thief story. <laughs> Oh, right. And then they're like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? She's like, you know, it's like the, the great act of storytelling, allowing the listener to glean from it what he may, um, which is also just a really funny bit. But I just thought it was so funny. I was like, it really, I mean, I'm such a grammar nerd and a word nerd, but it was hilarious because I've never really picked up on it being used twice. And now sitting here in 2020 and like, you know, or 2021, it really like stood out for me of being like, ooh, like that's weird to talk like that anymore, you know? Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because I wrote the when Lars lost his leg thing, but I wrote <laughs> they, which I'm sure was just me like correcting myself. Ah, yeah, there you go. No, I mean, really, it really stood out to me. And I was like, this is bizarre. Um, oh, actually, also on that line, I cannot confirm this because um, I haven't seen it on Lifetime or Hallmark in a while. But we've talked a little bit about how sometimes when um, these shows air or these episodes air in syndication, there's like little bits that are cut out. Yes. And I thought that that might be one of them, um, not for any reason, really, just because like I feel like I have seen this episode without that that little bit in it, um, which I think is a huge mistake. It's very funny. Um, I know. But I think it is one of the things that they cut out for, like, time, I guess. Oh, man, it's really rough. We've talked about this before. It's like, for all of those of you who unfortunately don't have a Hulu login, if I, if I could, I would give it to all of you. Um, <laughs> or, or own a DVD player still and play the old DVDs. But honestly, watching it, uh, I watched it on, was it Hallmark or TV Land? I think it was TV Land the other day. And my God, there's, like, whole chunks cut out. There's whole jokes missing. There's, like, a ton of them. Uh, that are it's really spliced up right it takes like a 27 minute episode and breaks it down to 23 which is not crazy um it's really insane and it's like it's just such a shame because even it chops it up to the extent where like you said you not only miss like good scenes and good jokes but even like there's parts of it where i was like would this episode even make sense if you didn't know that part? (laughs) i know kind of funny it's very tragic. However, I very much appreciate the fact that it's been in syndication literally since it went off the air. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But what is what time. is Joe Biden's plan for the Golden Girls episodes editing? Yeah, I damn must it. know. <laughs> How much, Mr. President? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. Um, <laughs> so anyway, off of the grammatical topics and back to ridiculous stories. Uh, the premise of you know Rose becoming uh, Blanche's Wiedenfrugen, mm. uh, which is highly problematic, also has a highly problematic story because <laughs> once again, Antebellum Blanche here is talking about how uh, you know she she goes, which is a great line. She goes, "I never intended to keep those earrings my entire life, like my mama did." But yeah. <laughs> it's such a it's such a perfect guilt trippy line but then she goes on again and on again and on again she goes who fashioned them from the civil war bullets that killed her great granddaddy and he's like oh my god yeah, it's like, like, well he deserved we to got, get killed sorry yeah, <laughs> exactly we gotta bring it up yet again the confederacy <laughs> um 
so yeah very bizarre and then she has that ridiculous line where she's like we wouldn't have had to fought that destructive civil war I'm just yeah like, oof come oof. on man oof I will Jesus. say I appreciate I mean I think that this was you know set up to do that but I I do appreciate yeah. the writers recognizing that they can't have this Swedish concept of feeding frugans without acknowledging that like you know Blanche's family certainly owns slaves and like and yes and that's the- actually true she's probably even though she's kind of uncomfortable with it in the beginning like the concept of it isn't isn't so completely foreign right exactly yes yes. and that's actually that's a really good point of like that they would specifically bring in those like remember Blanche is from the south right yeah that's really that's actually a really fascinating point I was just kind of like oh man too much slavery in this episode but (laughs) yeah that actually is probably intentional (laughs) so good good job very very smart (laughs) So, oh my gosh. So anyway, you know, it's, there's some really good lines. There's some really good bits. Like I, I do love Rose in her like goofy shorts. <laughs> oh my God. Eye. Yes. <laughs> like, so cute. How, how much, like, how much do you get to see them in like that kind of wear? Right. Even though it is Miami, right. They're always like dressed to the nines and like full, full gear. I guess they spend too much time in the air conditioning, but like literally I just thought that was really cute of like her sunbathing out there, you know? Yeah. Especially compared to Sophia sunbathing in like a full muumuu and, <laughs> yeah. and Blanche with her like fucking parasol. It's very, I, and we never really even see them like just relaxing on the lanai. You know, yeah. they're always usually doing something, which I feel like is, um, I like it. I like the, the, it, the use of it as a device here because also like they probably theoretically would be outside a lot just hanging exactly out. exactly and just like sunbathing and having your butt fall asleep i mean right. it's very very classic <laughs> very classic the whole su- surprise storyline is great you know we, we all thought that was such a nice way to go and the way that sophia shakes off her like hand <laughs> when they yell surprise at her it's just oh my god it's incredible so like that whole thing you know moving through uh the Wiedenfrugen uh whole side you know side story and obviously the discovery from you know again a perfect little mini character guest star of like the guy that Blanche slept with in the car and she's like you don't have to apologize for sleeping with him everybody yeah and then we get the perfect 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 twist of rose losing it right we talk about this a lot too like rose nyland just being like you know blanche Devereaux, you sit down and you shut up and listen and it's perfect i fucking love when betty white pulls out those stops and it is just such a it's like when rose gets nutso for competition like it just really twists the character around in a way where she can't she can't always just be like you said the person to lose things and then feel guilty about it right she's got to have a backbone and she does and it's just wonderful the way that she throws it right back in Blanche's face yeah it reminds me of um in case of the Libertine Bell where she's like well either I was trying to get back to the <laughs> yes. earrings or well that's why I did it you know like they, earrings are very problematic I know it's, they should really stop loaning them out I know um, right? But well, the whole, right, I guess that's true. <laughs> that's the whole thing is like Rose feels so bad about losing Blanche's earrings that she feels like she needs to do this. Yes. And Blanche, you know, as we said, she's kind of hesitant at first, but then she's just like, so like, yeah, you know, go get me. Oh, peanut butter vanilla. That's my favorite. I guess. Exactly. How does Who's that happen? It be? Yeah, I know. You're <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> so funny and then um but you know we do get to see rose eventually obviously like turn it on his head where she's like oh dorothy i'll move the tv into your room and then she's like get cracking blanche it's it's oh, so man. good you it's, know it's, me i love a callback i know it's just it's such good writing it's really it's actually delightful and that was one of the things in this episode where i say like all i think of this episode is obviously the immigration storyline right. and you know weed and frugan is problematic however the way that they 
handle it in like the goofy sense there's a lot of really great moments here yeah and good writing you know so all right so back to mario back to mario this <laughs> fucking guy <sighs> so anyway you know it, it kind of is like I, I wonder I wonder where his parents are. <laughs> I want to know. know. Or like his family, whoever he lives with, that kind of thing. It's just like the interesting bit of like all of a sudden it's in the paper and you know, it's like super advertised. Also like, I guess in the 80s they're like scouring the paper for like, uh, I don't know, brown kids? I, I have no idea <laughs> honestly about any of the history of that. It's kind of, it, it, it makes me wonder of like how realistic that little like sort of the little gimmick of how they find out how the Immigration Naturalization Service comes to Dorothy's door. Um, but I, I do I do like the idea of, it, you know, it's not actually addressed <laughs> it is of, of Dorothy basically having good intentions, but the, the uh, result turns out poorly. Right. And it's like all she wants to do is celebrate this kid and ironically celebrate an essay he wrote about loving the country that he lives in right now and and, and where he's from and what he connects with. Um, And then but it doesn't matter, you know, like if you you sorry, you outed him teach like you're 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 actually caused this sort of chain of events. Right. And I think that it, it, it has to be that he wrote this essay about America and, you know, that ICE, or not ICE, I guess at this time, but, you know, immigration. Well, the precursor of ICE, exactly. Um, They still don't care. And I think that that is sort of what we were talking about before, where, like, you can see the writers were on the right side, like, wanted to convey that this is insane and ridiculous, that this kid who so clearly loves his country more than a lot of native born people yes, would be forced to leave for no other reason than he's, you know, not born here or something like that. So I, oh, I he think, didn't quote unquote do it the right way. Right. Which we should also talk about, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that like, it's, um, it's sitcom right? Like it has to be like, Oh, he loves America so right. much. And this is the person we're deporting and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I think that like, a um you know somebody watching it at home especially at this time might be like wow like that's really crazy we're just finding people and sending them out of this country for no reason at all right and i think in the same way in the sitcom setup that in the hiv you know in 72 Mm -hmm. hours the hiv episode you had to have it be rose and you couldn't have it be blanche although they address that they do that purposefully because they do it to a quote unquote innocent person, right? Not somebody who it's going against, they make it over the top um, and it's going against what typically happens because people have those negative stereotypes. So you have to have in the same way, him be in love with America and like really talk about it heavy handedly. Right. But like you said, Debbie Macy, you know, our, uh, the scholar from university of Portland that we spoke with a while ago about archetypes really talked about how, you know, it's it's kind of odd. Like you said, it strikes a little odd chord knowing what we know now um, with with sort of uh, the, the rah-rah Americana. And then, of course, that, you know, not just from him. He's a kid. You can excuse it. But just from everybody else, right? Like the comments of uh, Rose when they're sitting about, you know, talking about the problem. You know, she goes, he was here illegally. Like, you can't blame yourself, Dorothy. Like, you have to have a little trust in the justice system. Right. And you're just like, whoa, man. I mean, that... It's fascinating, you know, what we're talking to, we talked to scholar um, Kate Brown about her book, uh, you know, the Golden Girls and the TV Milestone series. And she has such an interesting article on the take on Rose 
you know, fully being the one character who really does believe in the American dream. But a lot of times, you know, it comes up short in terms of like what she's constantly learning. You know, she was in a lot of ways sheltered from the effects of that, you know, that fantasy. (laughs) And, but this line right here is just so, right? Like just trust the justice system. And you're like, yeah, but what kind of justice is that if they get rid of this kid? It's up to the judge. And Dorothy even speaks to the judge. She said she gives him 20 minutes of her mind. At least she tried, but it's like, but it didn't make a difference. It's right. insane. And Rose is um, like the failure of the American dream, which this is. Like this, right? this episode is, is, the, is the picture of how totally. the American dream fails. But Rose never really shakes her belief in it, really throughout the whole series. And I think that that is very, um, you know, I, I, Kate Brown's observation of that was just so sort of like mind-blowing to me because every part of Rose that we know, like her, her biography, like Charlie was like a mid-level insurance salesman. They did fine for where they were on the farm, but then she realized like, oh, I don't have enough money to retire. Like, you know, that, that happens. That happens to so many people. And they still, Rose still has this sort of like homegrown milk fed view (laughs) of America, you know, like that it's this beautiful, like land of opportunity, which is for every and everybody and anyone. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, it's very true. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, milk fed. Like, I know that that's a <laughs> phrase, but I always, it cracks me up every single time. <laughs> I felt like it really, it, it was appropriate there. She grew up on a dairy farm. No, I mean, it was like, it was really, you were hitting on a lot of levels there. That was a great intersection. What a beautiful language. Um, <laughs> I just fucking love that line. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so... <laughs> they go to the movies right she finds them at the movie theater because of course you know it's it's again one of those like characters where it's like pre-cell phones pre-gps all that stuff where they're always like there's only one place they can be i was thinking it reminded me of um of my best friend's wedding when like uh dermot mulrooney's looking for cameron diaz and he's like the only place i could think of was like the bus station right and you're like really that's like <laughs> the train station you don't think a shit. bus would have come by then yeah, like yeah, yeah it's like it's just really funny and she's like the movie theater but specifically this one movie theater and specifically this movie that apparently he's seen six times in a schwarzenegger film so um question do you think it's a specific schwarzenegger film do you think it's completely fictionalized i really i mean i don't know i feel like it could be the terminator it could be like (laughs) there's something there's a line um that rip his throat out right there was that like (laughs) There was a line that made me think maybe it was, but to, to tell you the truth, like, I don't know that I would be able to tell one Schwarzenegger film from this time from another one, unless it was like, you know, jingle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, our, our viewers who are more of us Schwarzenegger scholars can, can weigh in on this. Maybe we could, we could do a social media post about it. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure it out. Comment on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but yeah, I just, I also love the, like, Oh, he's there way up front. And it's like, you know, four uh, or five like rows of, of seating. It's really funny. Um, but the guy who, who goes shh and is just like so over the top acting, he looks like this like perfect 2000s hipster because it's mm. so funny. Like 1980s fashion comes back around and he's got like big old fat glasses and a mustache and then this like Hawaiian shirt or something. You know, it's like he, he reminded me of just like a 2000s hipster guy at, in NYU. Like it was just, yeah. it's so perfect for that part of just like, Hey, ladies, I was the guy who shushed, uh, you know, the Golden Girls when they came into this theater. (laughs) Uh, Another great uh, Dorothy moment in that movie theater scene 
is <laughs> Dorothy just going whoa when uh, she sees him ripping off the nose. You yes. know, she like talks it through. It's very similar to the whoa when she opens the um, you know get it while it's hot yes. erotic cake in the shape of Florida. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's really great. It's just lovely. So yeah, I don't know. I you know the, the whole ending part. It's really bizarre, and he comes in. And he's like sulking, and again, like I don't. Are you going back by yourself? Is your family affected? What's going on beyond like you at the teacher's house? But anyway, it's a sitcom, right. um, you know. And, and Dorothy says something about going doing things the right way, and like uh, it's I don't know. It just it's it's odd because it doesn't actually have a happy ending um and to your point at the very top of the of this this episode you were saying like they almost get there right i wanted something more at the end to really hammer home which they do much later in the series about how the system is broken as opposed to just this like individual thing it's like well the judge said this and you were illegal so and you're like okay it, it just seems like it's a weird um consequence to put on this kid at this time yeah and it is it's like i think that dorothy b arthur plays this very well because i don't know what you would do in that situation like you can't just be like well you're realistically probably never coming back you know like you have to right. be no, kind of like encouraging and um you know he's devastated she's a teacher right yeah. exactly so i i think that it's it's acted really well and it's it's written well too i think that that's very appropriate um to handle the situation but yes yeah like it just it, but for the viewer it doesn't pay off right it just sucks it's like okay well he's not actually going to be able to do it the right way because doing it the right way is fucking stupid and we need to fix it and and <laughs> like you know there's there's a lot of implications there but i i get i guess why it's written and acted out this way and he's um you talked about this earlier but he's like such he's not a great actor and he's like boom, he's i'm smiling. so mad and then he's like, I I'm just like, <laughs> like all right you, you're like leaving your home are you not and also like he's leaving tomorrow like what it's just terrible the, it's really bizarre the whole trial actually i wrote um it's like a very uh fed up process like within a week he like oh they I know, find right? him he's, they he's do his here. trial she does her testimony and then he's out and like i don't know if anybody has any experience with like american bureaucracy but nothing works this fast <laughs> like <laughs> especially since like he comes over and he's like man when is he gonna make his decision already right. and you're like dude you already got an expedited trial yeah <laughs> chill out go to the movies um yeah. anyway it's really it's it's very bizarre it's you know and it's it's super sad that you know we have to watch this episode and it's 30 years old and you still are like oh my fucking god we're in a terrible spot yeah. so i would say you know make sure that you're doing your research on what immigration looks like that no human being is actually quote unquote illegal and that um you know invest in uh organizations and nonprofits that are really trying to uh, you know, make this process <laughs> equitable and make it make sense and not just say, you know, you're from this country, you can't come in. So um, it's fucked up. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. And don't do weed and frugans. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Two pieces of advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Free advice. Free advice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, wrapping up, you know, Mario Lopez is uh, kind of poor acting grade here. You know, at least he serves us better and saved by the bell later on yeah um but join us next time for a new episode of enough wicker when we're going to discuss how tattoos of noses can actually be strangely sexy <laughs> bye bye